preparing for Christmas. Have you gotten the decorations out yet? Have you gone and found that perfect tree? Or should we have the debate, real versus artificial? Ooh, let's divide the church. So you have opted for one of those two. Either you've gone out and it's a tradition. You go out every year on a Saturday morning and you cut down your tree and you drag it home. And you get it home and say, why did I pick that one? It's ugly. So then you have small children, and like we did at one point, we opted for the artificial route. And so I go down in the closet downstairs and pull out the big box, and I pray all the pre-lit lights still work. Maybe you have the real tree and so you go up and you get your box of lights down only to remember you threw them in the box last year. You were so disgusted. You, you pull out this tangled mess and you go, maybe it's time to switch to LEDs. Maybe I can just throw these away. But you decorate your house You check that off on your Christmas list and all of a sudden you realize, I haven't started my baking yet. I haven't started cooking for all the things that I'm going to be involved in. Every year, I cook fudge. Yes, and if you're on staff, they always know that come Christmas Eve, they get their fudge. But for you, it might be a variety of Christmas cookies. I think in Barb's family, your, your aunt had like 40 different types of cookies she would make every December. What a labor of love. What a series of calories to pack on in such a short period of time. Oh, and then you check that off. And then you go, oh man, It's the annual Christmas letter that I have to compose. I have to put something down in writing. And you work over this letter. You try to get it down to one page. But so much has happened this year. And you don't really want to spill over to the second page unless you're going to fill the whole second page. And you're going through all these gyrations. You decrease the margins. You're out within a quarter inch of the edge and you fill it up. And then you realize we haven't taken the annual Christmas picture to go with the Christmas letter. And you're scrambling to get the whole family together, to get matching outfits, to get the photographer who will do a decent job. It's done. You check it off. I haven't bought a single gift yet this year. Panic sets in. And you are now going, what am I going to do? How am I going to get all these things done? Gift cards are the answer. Yes. And you're struggling. How do I find just that perfect gift for that person that I'm thinking of? And you struggle. Some of you, I know, put it off to Christmas Eve. You like the challenge of getting all these gifts done in just a few hours. Yeah, I see that head. I see that nod, yes. It doesn't need to be creative, it just needs to be a gift. Amen? Just a gift. We check that off. 
And then we look at our calendar and realize, oh no, I have a series of holiday parties that I now have to go to. And they expect me to bring food. My schedule's already too full. How am I going to jam in uh, just a few more evenings out? But I get them in the calendar only to remember all the family get-togethers I have to go to. Those aren't even on the calendar yet. And I'm thinking about all the places I have to go. And then I realized, oh, last year I volunteered to host the family this year. Do you know what that means? I got a house to clean. And as your husband looks at you with this puzzled look like, clean house? You wives are understanding that, yes. It's like, oh, oh. And so you, you say, how can we pull it together so that we can have the family over? On top of all this, the church adds extra services. Let's make life more interesting. Christmas program with the little kids, which is so great, but all the practices for Saturday after Saturday leading up to that eventful Sunday last Sunday and going, good grief. By now, you're just exhausted listening to me. Talking about all this stuff going on, and you're living it. And then, as I thought about this, and I ran this by my wife a little bit, we're in a trap. Because we're trying to do all of this to a new level of perfection every year, aren't we not? Our holiday decorations in front of our house has to be the best on the block, amen? Amen. Oh, no. The guy next to us who every year just takes it up a notch and up a notch and up a notch, and we look at this. Our kids love to come visit us because they get to see his decorations. We put up our wreath last week. We've, not, we've just not competed with him. But we're into this competition mode. How can we have a bigger, better, brighter, more memorable Christmas this year than ever before? And we struggle. And then as I lay down in bed after a few days of this, I turn over to my wife and I said, where did we put the stockings again? They're, they're not on the mantle where they should be. This preparation for Christmas is just, I call it the Christian marathon season. Just for a whole month, we're just frenetic. Look that up. That's a neat word. Frenetic. We're exhausted. We need to step back for a moment and just breathe. Can I suggest that the current situation for many are at least two things. Number one, Christmas has become too routine, too familiar. We've allowed it because of all this activity to become too common. 
We look forward to the new year. Why? Because we can slow down finally. And this season of joy becomes a season of blur. And as we gear up for Christmas every year, it is sometimes same old, same old. And what has happened to us as believers in Jesus Christ is we have become numb to the birth story. We just don't give it a lot of thought. Secondly, in this season, the longer we have celebrated it, the more I believe that we have allowed truth to be diminished. To be diminished. We have forgotten the truth, the truth of the incarnation and his first coming. One author said, God, as though he were an ocean, poured himself into the thimble of a young virgin's womb. We don't think about that truth. The eternal God stepped into time and space and took on human flesh for the remainder of eternity. And we don't marvel at that anymore. We don't, we aren't filled with wonder and anticipation. We're just saying, what's the time, what's the date, how many days left before I can sink into my easy chair and just take a long winter's nap. And so this season, I think the enemy and our culture is saying, you know what, let's get them more and more exercised, involved, more energy expended, and they will forget what really took place over 2,000 years ago. What we need is a renewed preparation for ourselves. See, I believe that when we hear the birth account of Jesus, we tend to glaze over. Like we've heard it hundreds of times before. Matter of fact, when all of a sudden little children begin to read the account in Luke 2, we can almost mouth the words along with them saying it. It's become so familiar. We can quote it from memory. And I'm going to suggest this morning that we need renewed eyes, renewed ears, and renewed hearts. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, page 1026, there in the Pew Bible. And if you're taking notes and filling in the blanks, 3A, miraculous. As I read this very familiar passage this morning, I want you to notice how God stacks miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Any one of those should be enough. But God loves to take things to the next level. Matthew 1.18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is God's birth announcement to us. 
when his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. This story should wow us every time we hear it. Miracle. Pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Is anyone, anyone, no one in history could ever claim that. Joseph, a righteous man, looking out for Mary's best, and, and he's also a son of David. He's a direct lineage to the throne. And I don't know if I should ask this in public, but how many of you have had an angel, a real angel, actually speak to you at night? One. That doesn't happen. And if you think about it, we think angels are active all the time in throughout the scriptures. And if you read the scriptures carefully, that's not true. Matter of fact, at this point, God has been silent for 400 years. Nothing has come from him by way of revelation. And God sends his angels on multiple routes, on multiple quests, and Joseph is one of those. God reveals the gender. This is the original gender reveal party, is it not? You're going to have a son. God names the son Jesus. Joseph and Mary did not have a say in it. God designs the mission for his son Jesus and says he is going to become the savior of the world. Matter of fact, this birth was so special, it fulfilled prophecy. And I think just as miraculous, Joseph obeyed God to the letter. Joseph, who was hurting, who thought his beloved fiance had stepped out on him, was unfaithful to their betrothal vows because the betrothal took place, there was a year before the marriage took place. Why? It was primarily to prove her purity. 
And all of a sudden, Mary comes back from visiting Elizabeth and she's showing. And Joseph had to be crushed. This young gal that he fell in love with. And she stepped out. And the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, this is the truth. This is what's happening. Joseph also understood for him to embrace this pregnant young virgin who didn't look like a virgin brought shame to him as well too. Because what it looks like, Joseph was the one that made her pregnant. He's doing the right thing. So he is going to now assume some of the shame of this untimed birth. That's a miracle. Joseph obeys. Secondly, it's a wild account. A wild account. Matter of fact, as you look at the story and the account of the birth of Jesus Christ, it has all the makings of a mini-series for today. Amen? Netflix should snatch it up. It has something called the incarnation, God taking on flesh. It has something, the virgin birth, or the, actually the virgin conception. If that were to be true today, what a new story. And think about this. God dwelt in Mary's womb for nine months. You know, God could have sent Jesus... Just like he created Adam, he could have sent his son full grown or as a 12-year-old boy. Why in the womb of this woman for nine months? I think so he would fully understand what we go through. That's God's plan. And God became a man. It seems ridiculous. It takes a spiritual mind to even begin to grasp that truth. And here's the truth that we all count on. God has walked among us. We saw God full of grace and truth. And those at that time could actually touch him and talk to him face to face. This wild account is full of potential scandal. And add to this, we didn't even read this part of the story this morning. Herod, the political side of the story, who understands there may be a usurper for his political power. And so therefore, he orders the death of children to and under and slaughters them in Bethlehem so that he will not have to face the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the promised Messiah. That's a wild account. Thirdly, it's not just a true story, but is the central theme of God's salvation plan. We cannot overstate this. We watch God working out his plan to make himself known to his creation 
and then pay a cruel price to redeem us from the slave market of sin. He has come to rescue us. He has come to rescue me and you. Not just the world, yes, but it's individual. You watch the news and you see these stories of miners trapped below ground and little young men up in a cave with the water rising and we watch it intently for days until all of a sudden that person is brought out into the sunlight and what does everyone do? Yay! And I imagine those who were rescued have copies of the news reports and I would not be surprised if they don't play it on a regular basis to remind themselves where they were trapped and now that they're free. The Christmas story is God's rescue plan for us. See, I think we've become numb to it. Oh yeah, we're in heaven by and by. We're going to be with Jesus See, what a celebration should break out in our hearts and yours as we watch God work out his plan. And he's working it out on my behalf and yours. This is so true. What can I do to rescue myself? I I can't hear you. (laughs) Nothing. See, we keep forgetting that. It's been all of God and none of us. And as we hear again the beginning of the rescue story put into into operation, the incarnation, the Christmas story, it should bring us great joy. So my question this morning is, have you taken advantage of of that rescue. Have you understood that I can't take care of the sin problem in my life? I keep blowing it. Amen? Amen. We all keep blowing it. I need to be rescued from my sin and from myself. Matter of fact, I need to be rescued daily. Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. Amen? Amen. We need a rescuer today. None of this would be possible without the incarnation celebrated at Christmas. So if you're here this morning and you have never understood and placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your rescuer from sin, this is the day. This is the morning that you need to make that real. It's God's salvation plan. D, we need to have my heart prepared. Would you just take a moment to look into your own hearts? Have you become too familiar with the old, old story? Have you gotten caught up in the yuletide rituals of the season? 
Have the carols become monotonous for your ears? Oh, I can't walk through another store and all I hear is blaring Christmas jingles. Sometimes they even talk about Jesus in those carols. Sometimes in secular situations, they remind you of the specialness of this season. And even the world has to sit up and take note. And and they're trying to move us away from that. I need my heart prepared. So I'm going to ask you just to stop right now and bow your head. And would you ask God here and now to renew your heart, to prepare it again for this Advent season. And then I'll continue the message, but just right now. Father, create in us a clean heart, a heart responsive to you. And we understand we cannot do surgery on our own spiritual hearts, but you can. And for some here, Father, and even in portions of my own heart, I saw the the layer of callousness that needed to be removed. Thank you that you want to bring us great joy. You want us to remember that your plan was to rescue us and you paid the price. Help us again to see Christmas, the season of Advent, through your eyes, through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, page 1090 there in the Pew Bible. Luke 2, starting at verse 9, we'll focus on verses 10 and 11. And here's another angel. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Yes. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This birth announcement is good news of great joy. We should never cease to be awestruck by the redemptive story revealed at the birth of Jesus Christ. There should be within us an emotional reaction to watching God working out his plan, which should build in us joy. God is at work. This is much more than mere facts. This is much more than just ritual repetition. This should involve us in full-blown worship. Here's the exciting news as I looked at this passage again, as it were for fresh. God had been working with the people of Israel, with his chosen people. But this birth of this little one who is going to be the Savior will be for all the people not just the jewish nation not just the chosen people but i and you get to be a part of this as well too what does this mean for us 
I don't know if many of you have ever seen this. This brings emotion up in my life. This is our first granddaughter's birth book. And for those of you new to our church, 12 years ago, our granddaughter, our first grandchild, was born one pound five ounces. And at the end of her first year of life, Papa, that's me, put together a Snapfish book recording her first year of life. Simple pictures. And when she was a little older, I gave her a copy of this. This is my copy. I love what she does. She has this in her room at home. And when someone knew, someone who she'd like to get to know better, she goes up to her room and says, can I show you something? And she pulls down off the shelf my first year of life book. And she sits down with them and goes through all the pictures with this individual. I've watched it a couple times now over the years, and it melts me every time. It talks about her birth. It talks about how small she was. There's a picture in here of a dollar bill acting like a blanket over her small body. That's how small she was. She gets it. She marvels at the miracle of her own life. And she tells it to other people. This doesn't anywhere compare to the miraculous birth of God taking on flesh there through the Virgin Mary. It's a miracle that she lived and is functioning and doing well and there's no residual. But this story that we have in Luke and in Matthew should grip our hearts. It should grip our thinking. It should grip our life. We need to put preparing for Christmas back in proper perspective. We need to allow God to take us back to the true joy of the birth of Jesus Christ. Don't let the secular world mask the true joy of the birth of Jesus. Don't let all the things, all the activities, all the events, all the tinsel, all the gift-giving get in the way of marveling at what God is doing to rescue us. And we should sing the carols with, with gusto because that's our story. He came for us, to rescue us. Again, if you've not placed your faith in the Savior who desires to rescue you from your sin, to rescue you from your consequences, today is the day. There will be elders up here afterwards that would love to talk to you and explain that, to pray with you. Or if you are struggling with something in life at this season because Christmas is hard, amen? It brings up a lot of pain in our lives of past Christmases and 
things that were not done well and people we've lost in the last 12 months. You may need an elder to pray with this morning and just say, this has been a rough season. But keep preparing your heart for Christmas. Keep him center in your focus. Let's pray.